thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And we all sound like we're having a giggle because I just made a really big faux pas when I was doing the introduction. (laughs) So we've had to delete. It was actually quite funny. Mm. Oh, my goodness gracious me. My mind started to wander as I was gazing out my window. (laughs) Uh And I lost myself completely. Good heavens. But today, today's guest, oh my goodness, listeners, today's guest, you are not going to believe who we have on the show. Are you ready? <gasps> Kimmy, we need a drum roll. I reckon, I reckon. Ready? <laughs> today's guest is the almighty, world famous Cindy O'Meara. Welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I wasn't going to be the guest. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, we're talking all about condiments because that's your thing at the moment. And we were talking just before we started the show about how um, all the research that you're doing and everything that you're discovering about that is something that our listeners so need to know. So why don't you start off by telling us what got you on this particular journey about condiments? What was the, what was the trigger for you? Well, what happened was uh, I was asked by Channel 10 to come into their studio in Sydney and um, teach people about condiments and, you know, what's in the condiments that you buy in the grocery store versus what's in the condiments that you, you can make and how easy is it to make condiments and so I was on the show um, a couple of weeks ago and I, and I had five minutes to make three condiments which was mayonnaise barbecue sauce tomato sauce and oh and chili sauce it was sorry I didn't get a chance to make the tomato sauce and I was able to make that all in in five minutes and but what what really got me onto this and I ended up writing two articles about it was when I read the ingredients of those that you buy in the grocery store and when I started to really look at all the condiments that were out there, they were all using the same types of additives, preservatives and flavourings. So there would always be an acidity regulator in there. So we're going to talk about acidity regulators in a minute. There would always be the flavour and it could be flavours. And I spent a lot of time ringing the 1-800 number and talking to the customer care and just saying, could you please tell me um, how many flavours are in your tomato sauce? And they'd say, oh, no, that's a proprietary um, thing and I can't, we can't tell you. And I said, well, surely you can tell me how many. I don't know, want to know what flavours there are. I just want to know how many. And then I'd ring them up and I'd say, can you tell me if your xanathan gum is vegan or non-vegan? And, of course, they couldn't because there was a reason why I was asking that question. So the, the, all your gums are your thickeners and your stabilisers. So they would put an acidity regulator in it, which is a preservative. They would put a flavour in there, which could be any flavour of 3,500 or so. Then they would put the xanathan gum in there and the xanathan gum was a thickener and a stabiliser. And then another thing that they would put in is a colour. 
So um, the colour could be, um, and it sounded, you know, natural. It might say beta carotene or something like that. And so you think, oh, well, well that's natural. Um, and then they might put a preservative in, another preservative in. So um, what I was seeing was like if I saw barbecue sauce or tomato sauce or even a HP sauce or any of the sauces that are out there, it would all start with concentrated tomatoes. That was another question I had to ask. I had to ring up the customer service and ask that. But they would all start with concentrated tomatoes. And then every single one of them had exactly the same um, additives. But, of course, the flavour would be different. So they were tricking us into believing that all of these foods out there are different. But in actual fact, they're all made exactly the same but then they add a different flavour in. And that really got me because it, it, actually it wasn't only that, but there was also um, a friend of mine asked me to come and do a pantry clean-out for them. And I guess this is where it really started for me was the pantry clean-out. And I swim with him and he cleaned out my computer and I cleaned out his fridge and, and his pantry. And that's when I really first started to see it. And I said to him and his wife, I said, have you noticed that it's all the same ingredients. It's just a different flavour in the end. And I was horrified. I was absolutely horrified. And then the, the concentrated tomato, when I rang up and asked about the concentrated tomato, I said, what's concentrated tomato to the customer care? And she said, oh, it's tomato paste. <laughs> and I went, why not just put tomato paste? Why do you have to call it something, you know, that, that it's not? So I guess... Guys, that's where it all started for me. And then I went down the rabbit hole of the ingredients and how do they make them and I went to the patents. You can go to patents, that's P-A-T-E-N-T online. And I started to read um, some of the patents and I, I started to become really horrified that we're not eating food. It, it's, it's, and I've always known this but I really dug into just these condiments so other condiments I looked at was mayonnaise, hollandaise sauce um, and, and the sweet chilli sauce. So basically it just depended on their basic ingredient that they used, whether it was tomato paste or an oil, um, but the rest of it was the acidity regulators, flavours, xanathan, glum and colour and preservative. And I started to think how much of these products do people consume? And... Can exactly. I just interrupt you there for a yeah. second? Most people will have sauces, mustards, mayos, and, and soy sauce and all these sorts of things in their cupboard. I mean, it seems a, a staple thing to include. Mm. Um, I mean, we know that they're full of, uh, having listened to you for all these years, we know that they're not all made the same. And, and I know that you've talked about the artificial flavorings and, and preservatives, but a lot of them have, huge amounts of sugar too don't they and it, tell us a little bit about what did you discover around the sugar side of it let alone the salt and something like soy sauce or sodium yeah look um yeah they did they did put sugar in it so the barbecue sauce the second ingredient was sugar and the third ingredient was salt and I know that everybody's on this sugar march at the moment and everybody's going off sugar and quitting sugar I don't know if sugar is the complete problem because while I think about what my mum was like and we had apple pie and apple crumble and rhubarb pie and um, 
bananas flamme and pineapple upside down cake. And, you know, we had that every day of our lives. My mother made a dessert. But she didn't have the food assets, the colour, the flavours, the vegetable gums, um, you know, she didn't have any of that stuff in it. So, yes, the sugar's in there. I, I, I agree with you. But um, I don't think it's the, the total problem uh, at all because when I'm making tomato sauce or barbecue sauce or sweet chilli sauce, I'm going to add um, sugar to the barbecue sauce and the sweet chilli sauce because it's called sweet chilli sauce for a really good reason. I don't want to put maltodextrin in it or I don't want to put an artificial sweetener or a stevia um, extract. I want, I want the real food, but then I don't put white sugar in. What I do is I put, you know, rapidura sugar in. Um, so I'll put a good quality sugar in that's got the nutrients in it. Yeah. So does that answer your question, Kim? Yeah. And I just, I think probably from a appearance point of view, you know, I, just the amount of times I see parents with kids that want tomato sauce on everything. Um, they won't eat a meal without a sauce on it or some sort of flavoring. It's almost like, I don't know about you girls, but whenever I've done a cleanse and whenever I've done something that, um, you know, your salad dressing becomes apple cider vinegar and olive oil um, or, and lemon juice, all of a sudden these bought condiments can taste incredibly um, sweet or salty or um, fake almost. So tell us the worst condiments you found and then tell us what are the best condiments we could have in our fridge? Oh, okay. Well, the ones you make will be the best. Um, and there were some really good condiments out there that you can buy in your, you know, natural food stores or your organic shops or things like that. But I think um, what I did was I broke down, let's say, barbecue sauce. So I broke it down and I talked about like concentrated tomatoes. And I, I decided to look up well, what are the chemicals that are sprayed on tomatoes in the Australian agriculture. And so I, got, I delved down that and I looked at, well, if you're buying these tomato sauces and what they do is that many of the big companies will, when the, har the tomatoes are harvested, you know, they will go off very quickly. So they have to turn it into a paste or um, they have to cook it in order for these tomatoes to last them throughout the year. And that's why they make soups with it. Um, and all these sources. So then I went down the rabbit hole of looking at, well, what isn't, isn't on the label but is in the food? And, you know, I started to find, of course, um, chemicals. And one of them was Roundup on tomatoes, which I just about, I couldn't believe. I didn't know that they used it. And I actually um, did an extract from www.roundup.com.au and it says one of the biggest problems for tomatoes in aphids is aphids, sorry. So encourage their natural predator, the ladybird, and rid your garden of milk thistles with, with, um, attract, which attract them. A systematic weed killer like Roundup kills this weed from leaf to root so it won't spring up again. It also breaks down on contact with soil so your tomato plants and soil will be safe. That's from the website and that's current. And I just went, oh, my gosh. It causes cancer. There's been court cases in it. We know that it's an antibiotic, so it's not safe for the soil and it's not safe for human consumption. We know that it's a, um, you know, a, a, um, a metal uh, chelating agent, so it takes all of that out. So, I, like, I just read that and went, I was aghast. So that's where I started was I started with the ingredients. I started looking at 
well, you know, what, you know, what's in the tomato, but we're not being told about it. But that was just one of the chemicals. And so then I went um, and I, it all talked about the chemicals that can be used if there's bugs, so your insecticides. Uh, and the really scary thing is that um, I only talk about one chemical, but we know that 144 chemicals are tested um, by the supermarkets for safeness. And it's not that they want nil in there. They just want it under a certain level. Uh, so you have 144 chemicals. And by the way, glyphosate and Roundup is not in that. They don't, they don't test for it they, because they think it's safe, just as, you know, the, the website says. So that was, that was what was sitting behind it. And then, you know, and then I had white sugar is the second ingredient. So white sugar is 99.4% pure sucrose. So sucrose is, is just glucose and fructose put together. So that's, it's pure. It's not a single nutrient in it. And the 0.4% at it or the 0.4% that they don't say is sugar is ash, but they don't tell you what that ash is. And then you have salt. And so the salt is refined. It's got anti-caking agents in it. They don't tell you this. It just says salt. So it has anti-caking agents in it. It may have bleaches in it. So that's the salt. And then when I got to the food acids and I started to look up the different food acids and how they were, they were made, um, and I got to you know citric acid and it's a genetically modified fungi um, that they put on a substrate and that substrate is usually a sugar and the sugar could be a corn-based sugar which could be BT toxin um, corn. Uh, it could, it, there are many substrates that they use with the fungi in order for it to make the citric acid. And I've already, I've already talked about flavours a million times with the 48 chemicals. And the reason why I ran customer service is that I wanted to know how many flavours. So if I know there's 48 chemicals in one flavour, then if you've got five flavours in there creating something in your barbecue sauce, then that's five times 48 chemicals that we're exposing our children to, ourselves to, and our environment if you throw that tomato, that barbecue sauce away. So, you know, I was, I was interested in that and it did say including a smoke flavour. But this is where it got really interesting is the gums because I, you know, I used xanathan gum back in the 90s when my husband, when I found out that my husband was um, a celiac and, and I needed to make breads and xanathan gum was something that I used back in the 90s and then I started to hear some stuff about it and I stopped using it completely probably the late 90s. Um, oh, no, maybe not. Maybe not until 2005. So I decided to look up what xanathan gum was. And um, Karen, being the princess that she is, may want to close her ears at this point. Oh, dear. What are you about <laughs> to say? <laughs> well, what it is is xanathan gum um, is, um, you know, when you've got your broccoli and your cauliflower and you get those little black dots on your broccoli and your cauliflower? So it's a, it's a bacteria uh, and it's, it's, I've got to find its name. It's a really weird name, but it's, it starts with xanathan is the name of the bacteria. So xanathan something. And it, it um, produces a polysaccharide, which is that black thing. So it produces a starch. So it's not its poo, but it does produce this starch. And that's that black thing that you see on broccoli and, and cauliflowers and, and things like that. And so they've figured out that if they use this xanathan um, bacteria, 
and they put it on a substrate, so a substrate being a sugar, and the sugar could be a corn um, sugar or a beet sugar, both are genetically modified. If they put it on that, then it will produce a certain amount of xanthan gum. But because xanthan gum is is wanting to be produced at a higher rate because more and more people want it and it's not only the food industry that's using it but the um, because it's a kind of emulsifier but medical and pharmaceutical industry are using it and so is the cosmetic industry. So they're needing to produce more and more of this gum and so they've genetically modified this gum or this bacteria to, to actually... Um, produce its um, polysaccharide, which is xanthan gum, um, on, uh, on lactose, which is coming from um, the, well, it's actually a permeate, not lactose. It's the permeate of dairy. So many vegans use xanthan gum in their foods because they believe that it's a vegan product. But the genetic modification now allows it to be used on the permeate of the dairy industry, which is a waste product in the dairy industry. And it's becoming a cheaper and cheaper commodity um, to create. So I looked at that and I, and I just went, oh, and then, by the way, they have to pull the polysaccharide off the substrate or whatever it is that it is. They, they purify it off that and then they add alcohols and they do all sorts of other things to it. So I, I looked at xanathan gum as not something that, I uh, just decided not to eat or consume anymore because I'd heard rumours about it, but to I will not consume that again. Um, and I will look in the cosmetics um, and have a look at it. And I was actually looking up, I was doing an article on antacids and, um, you know, GERD, so um, all the medications that are used for um, when you've got indigestion. So you either can have an antacid or you can have a, or something called a PPI, a, a protein pump inhibitor. So I decided to go down the rabbit hole with the protein pump inhibitors and the ingredients that are inert in the protein pump inhibitor, and guess what I found? Xanathan gum. Xanathan gum. So it's in our medications, it's in many, all of our condiments, it's probably in our supplements if I really looked. And Kim, is it in the, um, in the cosmetic industry? Xanathan gum? I don't know about xanathan gum. There probably would be in some, as you know, in some of the mm. maybe in, in shampoos or something like that. But I, I don't recognize. I know it's definitely. I see it all the time in food. But I'll have a little look at it while you guys are talking and see. But yeah. I haven't noticed that one. So this is this is you know what I did, and then got so frustrated by it, and then of course we. You know, we actually pitched this story to Channel 10 saying, you know, we need to make people aware of it. And um, and so it was then, you know, by getting the ingredients together and, and seeing that I could, I could make three condiments in five minutes once you had all the ingredients together. And I've always um, done my mayonnaise. Um, I've always done, made my mayonnaise, so it's never been something that I've not made. So I hadn't really looked at the ingredients of mayonnaise or or anything like that. So I'm just going to go to my article because if anybody wants to get this article um, and have a really good look at it, it'll explain the xanathan gum and, uh, and everything like that. But anyway, I went to um, how they make um, mayonnaise. And so, so pop, shop purchase mayonnaise ingredients include vegetable oil. So I had to question, well, what's in a vegetable oil? 
is it soybean oil, is it cottonseed oil, is it canola oil? So they don't actually tell you. So you have to ring um, the, the shop up and you've got to say, oh, could you please tell me what your vegetable oil is? And they'll tell you. The customer service will tell you. So they'll say it's a mix of cotton or canola or soybean or it's one or the other. And so we then have to identify that those oils are all genetically modified and if they're not genetically modified, um, the bean at least I should say, if it's not genetically modified, then they desiccate the crop, especially the canola crop, with Roundup. So we know that the Roundup will be in that oil. So that's the first ingredient. It's also highly refined. Um, it's devoid of nutrients. It won't, it'll be full of omega-6s and not omega-3s. So while somebody reads vegetable oil, what I read behind that is so much more. Um, so that's the first ingredient. And then the second ingredient is water. Now, I never put any water in my mayonnaise. Um, but obviously, that's to make the mayonnaise cheap. So they add water as the second ingredient. Then the third ingredient is sugar. So here Kim asked me that question about sugar. So the third ingredient is sugar. So this is a totally refined sugar. Then vinegar. So remembering that there are many out there, but I'm just, um, I just picked one up and I think it was, uh, I won't say who it was, but it was one of your main brands that you'll see in the supermarket. So um, then vinegar. So it will probably be a, a grain-based distilled vinegar. So i you know, usually distilling gets rid of um, many chemicals. So I probably don't have a big problem with the vinegar. But then I got egg yolk powder and I went, egg yolk powder, what's that? So got online, went to patents, asked how they made um, egg yolk powder. And um, depending on where the powder is made, uh, so, it, it, you know, there are many patents about the egg um, yolk powder, but depending on where it's made, it will have an anti-caking agent in it um, and it's usually sodium silicoaluminate, so aluminum um, will be in it. So they're not even telling you what that egg yolk powder is. So when I, um, I looked at the patent of it, it says to make the egg powder and eggs, they're pasteurised and then sprayed dried. There is also another process of a spray drying eggs into a powder that includes the addition of gases, which are fairly soluble in the egg liquid. So typically they'll use carbon dioxide and nitrous oxide. But other examples of gases which they may use are nitrogen, helium, propane, N-butane, isobutane, dichlorodifluoromethane and trichloromonofluoromethane or trifluoromonochloromethane. Um, and they say that these gases are non-toxic and they can't use any toxic gases. <laughs> but, you know, like to me, they all sound toxic, <laughs> especially isobutane. Um, I just was... It certainly yeah. doesn't sound like food, does no, it? <laughs> no. And I just go, I want to know how they figure it out. How do they figure well, it out? It's chemistry, isn't it? They're so yeah. bloody, they're so clever they're on clever. many levels. I mean, I, I did look it up. Xanthan gum is used in skincare, again, um, for its texture, for the product texture. It says here it's not an active ingredient, but it is used significant, for significant product texture mm. formulation. It's not known to have toxic or harmful side effects can be appropriate for use in natural and organic skincare and is thought to have some hydrating benefits for the skin. But then when I looked up if it's safe to use on the skin, it says when used up to 15 grams per day, 
It can cause some side effects, such as intestinal gas, flatulence, and bloating. People who are exposed to xanthan gum powder might experience flu-like symptoms, nose and throat irritation, and lung problems. Right. Mm. just the perfect thing to put into mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, dear. But as you said, is it, it, is it um, gives texture to mm. cosmetics. Well, it gives texture to the food. So you, mm. you think you're eating a very textured food, but it's just the xanathan gum. Um, and it but could be genetically mayonnaise from our Thermomix. So when you make a mayonnaise and you beat those eggs, sorry, Karen, but you have your own mayonnaise made with that oil dripping into it. There's just, there's nothing like it. No, there's not. And you know what was really interesting, Kimmy, is that I wasn't, a, I wanted the Thermomix. I wanted to make everything in the Thermomix. And they said, no, I wasn't allowed a Thermomix. So I rang my friend Jackie because she never uses the Thermomix to make her mayonnaise. She uses her stick blender with a flat blade. So no blade at all. It's just a like a whipping blade. And she said to me, okay, so Cindy, this is how I do it. So I put the eggs. I don't separate them. I put the eggs in a glass jar. I put the salt and the pepper and the vinegar, the apple cider vinegar and lemon juice. And then I just throw the oil in and then I put the stick blender in and in three seconds it's done. And I am, I'm thinking, no way, you know, it, it can't possibly be that. And so I, I experimented and did it. And sure enough, the stick blender did a perfect mayonnaise. Then I didn't have to scrape it out of the Thermomix. I could just put the lid on it and put it in the fridge. Then I could add wasabi powder if I wanted a wasabi mayonnaise or I could add turmeric if I wanted a turmeric mayonnaise or a, if I wanted aioli, I'd add garlic and herbs. And I just was like all of a sudden I went, why would you spend the time getting in your car, going to the grocery store, looking at all the ingredients in the mayonnaise, realising that none of it's any good, coming home and thinking I can't make mayonnaise when it's as easy as that and you don't, it's not hard at all. And then a stick blender you just put under the tap and it's, it's perfect. So, um, so that was, it wasn't just the main, but how cool is that? Like that's not hard. It's not hard to do. Mm -mm. Mm. So the, the other thing that um, I, I learned, this is Jackie, my beautiful friend, Jackie, who I've known since I was 13. Um, so she comes around to my house um, after I'd been on channel 10 and she said, now, Cindy, I'm going to make hollandaise sauce for you now. So she does exactly the same thing as she puts the, almost the same ingredients in, but she uses butter and just whizzes it. And three minutes later, it's the most amazing hollandaise sauce that we poured over our eggs Benedict that we made um, that morning. It was just amazing. But let me give you the ingredients of hollandaise sauce. I, I picked three packages out thinking surely there's got to be one that's better than what I'm seeing right now. So this is out of the grocery store. So remembering that the ingredients are egg, butter, vinegar and, and salt and pepper and maybe lemon juice, that, that's your ingredients. So the first one I picked out had modified cornstarch, could be genetically modified corn, which means it's got a BT toxin in it, maltodextrin, which is made from wheat, could still have some glyphosate in it, Wheat starch, well, if it is not organic, it probably does have um, glyphosate in it. Whey protein concentrate. So we know that whey protein concentrate, if it's instatized, and this will be instatized because they don't want clumps, will have soya lecithin and canola oil in it. 
partially hydrogenated soybean oil. Now, I didn't know that you were still allowed to have partially hydrogenated soybean oil, but that's got trans fats in it, um, lactose, so a um, milk sugar, cornstarch, hydrolyzed corn gluten, salt, fructose, is it corn-based fructose, citric acid, which is the genetically modified fungi producing it on a substrate, onion powder, Autolyzed yeast extract, which is just another name for MSG. Uh, can anybody hear any food in here? <laughs> I'm scared. This is terrible. I know. Guar gum, spices, turmeric, caramel colour, natural flavour and garlic powdered dextrose. And then what you do with that is that you have to add milk and margarine. That's what they said. <laughs> <laughs> so I had one comment at the end of, telling everybody all the ingredients and I just said chemical shit storm that's all I can say I'm not even going to go through everything because it's not worth it <laughs> wow can, can I ask one question just as a side thing um agave agave is that a good thing or a not good thing but agave is from cactus um and it, it's a highly processed um sugar and it is basically fructose. So I never um, got into agave. And then when I looked at the processing, and if people want to look this up, they just go to patent, P-A-T-E-N-T, patent to make agave syrup from, a, from cactus, you know. So it will, it, there'll be many patents and I don't know. And that's the thing is that there are many patents out there for making the same product. Um, sometimes there may be only two or three, but, you know, there's an array of patents that I have to read. And you don't know that your agave um, or your citric acid or your xanathan gum is not, you don't know which way it's produced. And when I've run customer service, they must hate me. But anyway, I ring customer service and I go, um, you know, which citric acid are you using or which substrate are you using? Are you using a genetically modified substrate? They haven't got to me, back to me on that one yet. Uh, yeah. They so, wouldn't maybe know either. No, they don't. They said, oh, look, I don't know, but I'll, I'll have to ask. Um, and, and, yeah, and I'll, I'll get back to you. So I gave her my phone number, but I haven't had a missed call from, um, you know, from them but I, I just I just decide I need to know so let me know and I go in I went in with the xanathan gum I said I'm a vegan and I want to know which way your xanathan gum is processed is it processed on a um, a milk-based substrate and is it genetically modified or is it based on a sugar-based substrate and is that substrate genetically modified um, and is your little bug modified <laughs> She, oh, she must think, oh, I've got a wacko here. <laughs> I have a real wacko here. But I kind of go, I kind of go, if I'm not doing it, and, and I've got time to do this now, and I love it. Like I said to the girls today, I go, I should have been an investigative journalist. That's what I should have done. And my, one of the girls turned around to me, Kate turns around to me, she said, that's what you are, Cindy. You investigate everything about food. So you, you are really that. <laughs> You sure are. So tell us, Cindy, like, okay, so we know, and most people listening to this would have a real appreciation that most condiments in the supermarket in particular are not something that we should have in our own pantries. Either we make it, go to an organic shop, or maybe go to our farmer's markets for people that make it from base and, and real food. Tell us some of the things 
that are good to have in your cupboard, maybe some of your single ingredient things that we can use as part of our condiments? And what are some of the things that you do in your kitchen that add flavour to a food? What do you do? Well, I think you like the one ingredient pantry, which is in your pantry, everything you have is, is probably one ingredient. Um, maybe a couple, like my seaweed salt has dulcet salt in it. But my rapidura sugar is one ingredient. My nuts are, are one ingredient. My spices are one ingredient. I have apple cider vinegar. But what I notice, and I don't know if anybody else notices this, but we don't use a lot of foods when we're making most of our condiments. And we use the same ones over and over and over again. So it could be the seaweed salt, the black pepper, the spices, the it might be some rapidura sugar, it could be an oil, it could be a tomato base. Um, it, if it's pesto, then it's still an oil base, but you put herbs in it and you've got your nuts in there and you could put some garlic in there. So in my way of thinking, you do not need a big pantry. You Like I remember my mum's pantry, it didn't exist. She didn't have one. I remember her spices. She had a whole, she probably had two metres of spices in those little glass jars um, you know, the thin glass jars that spices come in. She probably had two metres of those. She had one cupboard that had her baking powder, her flour, her sugar and her salt and she might have had some cream of tartar and some baking soda and that's, that was one cupboard um, and cocoa. Yep, she would have had cocoa in there. We didn't do eat a lot of nuts and seeds but that was in another cupboard. So... You know, I, I look at the butler's pantries and I look at these new big pantries everybody's got because it's they're there to um, accommodate packaged um, multi-ingredient foods because we've become, you know, we've become complacent about where our food's coming from, how it's being made, what is its base, where does it come from? And when you start to question those things, then... You, you only want one ingredient in your pantry, you know, the one ingredient pantry where everything's a one ingredient because you don't trust. You just, you just don't trust unless somebody's done the research and, and you have great food manufacturers out there like Loving Earth and Monica's Pantry and, um, you know, people that we support and we put our stick of approval on there. You know, I, I've always admired Loving Earth. I've never seen them in their years of what they've done go against their principles. Um, the same with Monica who lives here on the coast and makes gluten-free um, mixes, so pizza mixes. So if you don't want to make up your own pizza mixes or your own muffin mixes or your own bread mixes, then she makes up this bunch of mixes for you. But she's particular about her ingredients. So when I trust um, a company like that or a person like that, then I'll purchase from them. Or if I go to... The, the farmer's market and I know somebody's making tomato sauce um, from scratch and I know their ingredients and I know their ethics and I'm going to purchase from them. And, you know, it's like the, the gentleman we had um, on last week, Ben, who was talking about when children spend time, you know, making like knowing where food comes from and getting their hands in the soil, then the outcome of their napland tests and their, uh, you know, where they, they are on a scale in Australia as far as their academic excellence goes, it improves. So let's take it one step further. What about those kids in the kitchen 
that once they've seen where their food has come from and then they come into the kitchen, it must enhance that that as well. Now, he didn't say, it was really interesting, Ben didn't say why this is happening. They didn't, we didn't question that, you know. They just saw that this was happening. It wasn't, well, how is it happening? It was, yes, this is happening and we should continue to do it because it's obviously something that's, that's working is seeing where the food is coming from, being a part of how our food is, is um, grown and being a party to even, well, are we going to slaughter that animal or how does that animal live or can we take their eggs or the weight of their eggs? I, I actually found that podcast absolutely fascinating. Mm, yeah, and I think it's such a nice thing, even helping kids make a meal from scratch. Many of them don't know and, you know, I think it's it's a sad indictment on on and our future kids growing up. Maybe this is where shows like My Kitchen Rules and, um, you know, MasterChef and all of these sorts of things, I think the greatest thing about those shows is that they've shown us how to make food from scratch. I mean, some of it none of us would probably cook in our kitchen <laughs> because of the amount of effort that it takes. But I think it's really important. I, I, one thing I wanted to ask you, from a condiment point of view, what are some of the tricks that we can be tricked with. So, for instance, um, if it was me looking at um, when, 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 when my kids were little, I used to say to them, if we see the number 631 or 921, oh, sorry, but that means it's not good for your particular body. Mm. And, of course, they got to learn that very quickly. Then, obviously, companies got quite clever with the additives. And um, when did they decide that the word yeast extract, extract was another word for MSG? And what other things are they doing that you discover have discovered that they're trying to trick us as a consumer? And, and most of our listeners, I dare say, would be educated consumers. So we can even get tricked when we're reading things. What's your advice around that? I think number one is education. And, you know, I think about what I was like, you know, 25, 30 years ago when my kids were just, um, you know, being born and, and what I was feeding them back then. And I thought I was doing the best that I could possibly do. But as I learn more, I know I could have done better 30 years ago, but I didn't have that knowledge. So I think number one is educating ourselves and then educating our children. I think that would be the first thing that, um, and, and then when you're educated, you can't become uneducated and just um, deny the fact that this is how it's made and it could be a genetically modified organelle entering the body. And then as a result of that genetically modified organelle entering the body, is it doing anything to my DNA? Is it changing anything? And, you know, there's enough evidence out there and Jeffrey Smith, with his um, book, oh, what's his book called? Um, anyway, Jeffrey Smith's book on um, GMO, you know, and his summits that he does, you know, he educates as to exactly what is happening when we consume a genetically modified food. And, you know, there are, are medical doctors in the US at the moment that are actually taking people, putting people on a diet non-GMO anything that's got a GMO and then, but you don't know because who knew that xanathan gum was a genetically modified microorganism being bathed on a genetically modified um, substrate to produce the xanathan gum or who, you know, that, that bacteria. So I think that number one is education. Um, the second part of your question was, Kimmy, I forgot. Oh, I should have written them down. Um. 
Oh gosh, I've just gone blank too because I just uh, thought I was. Oh, how do we? What's the thing? What are the loopholes? What are we looking for? I know you said oh, education, yeah. but yeah, what else are we looking for, and what numbers should we be avoiding, or other names? Yeah. You know, like like for many people too, I'd love to ask you about canola oil, and you know, so many people say to me, "Oh no, we cook all our things in canola," or I've been at the back of restaurants and seen massive tubs of canola oil. So just maybe give us a little bit more background as to that. Okay, so let's look at the loopholes um, and the na- and the names that they're changing things to. So they've realised the food manufacturers. That is, they've realised that we're becoming a sophisticated buyer, um, and and that is increasing that sophisticated buyer. And the millenniums, by the way. Are be- there's a percentage of them that are not going to put up with what this generation has done. And so they're very much on the lookout for sustainable, regenerative, ethical, trusted, organic food. So, and they're reading their labels and they're becoming informed. You know, they have a Google. You can find anything on Google and they will go hunting and they will find, you know, what they need to do. So, um, the names that they're coming up with are names that will trick us. So once upon a time there was an antioxidant, um, and I haven't seen it lately, although it's still around, there was an antioxidant that was called BHA and BHT, and I think they were the numbers 320 and 321, and, you know, they were, they were suspect because they caused cancer in rats, um, and that was, um, you know, something that needed to be, told to the public and the public started to learn about it and they started to say, well, you know, we don't want to have that. So what they've done is they've created a new antioxidant very much based on the BHA and BHT, um, but they've extracted one component out of a rosemary leaf. And with that component, they've added, of course, emulsifiers and um, they've had solvents and they've done lots of stuff to it. You can go on the patent and have a look for rosemary extract and see what it is. And then they've called it rosemary extract. But it's, it's, it's just a, a man-made antioxidant. But the reason they can call it rosemary extract is that they've extracted one thing out of um, the rosemary plant and now they call it rosemary extract. So I first saw that when I um, was looking at breakfast cereal ingredients one time. It was probably about six or seven years ago and I noticed the word rosemary extract and I, I was sus straight away. I went, why would a breakfast cereal, you know, with flavours and colours and everything out, put rosemary extract in there? That's just crazy. So I started hunting for information and then that's when I found the book Swallow um, This by um, Joanna Blythman. So, you know, rosemary extract is something that people see and they go, oh, wow, and I've seen people fooled by it that I think are educated, absolutely fooled by it. And that's being used in the cosmetic industry, it's being used in the food industry and it's being used in the pharmaceutical industry. It's big time. Then you'll see powders. So you might see celery powder or you might see some sort of powder and you think, oh, surely that's just a celery that's been dried and pounded into a powder. Um, but it's once again, it's um, extracted, pulverised. The true nature of the celery is gone um, and they call it celery powder. So yeast extract is, a, you know, is another one. And, you know, you can go on and on and on with the way they're renaming things. And, and that's why I go for the one-ingredient pantry is that I can't be fooled. So the loopholes 
And the way you get out of the loopholes is you just don't buy packaged foods. You just go back to your basics or to your trusted, the people that you trust, that you know that, you know, they're not putting um, other additives in their food. No, I think it's, I, I think it's so, um, it's indicative of the message that you've always had, Cindy, since the very first time that I met you, was always coming back to your basic ingredients, cleaning out your pantry of everything that comes in a box and a package because you just, you know, if, if, if you're unsure, don't eat it. If you, can't make, if you can't make it in your kitchen, don't experiment with your body. And I think that this is just something else. I think it's just another layer, really, where I think that it comes back to us being personally informed and taking personal responsibility for um, the kind of food that we're willing to experiment on ourselves with. Mm. And Kimmy, you mentioned this ages ago. You were talking about, and I think it was um, about some cosmetics. I think about the accumulative effect. Yes. You know, we don't we don't yes. talk about we don't talk about what the accumulative effect is of having, you know, uh, genetically modified foods or hydrolyzed soy proteins, or mm. we don't talk about the accumulative effect on that because we don't know. Don't and, you find it interesting then? On that note, Kaz, that. I mean, you must see it as well. So many young people with mental health issues, with oh my God. with diet issues. I mean, these things weren't talked about years ago, and we all had tomato sauce growing up. Um, is it because it's changed that much compared to what we had? Is it the same thing with condiments as it is with these foods? Like you say, Karen, is it indicative of of how we've changed through society? I just, I just, well, it's, you know, it's such a it's such a huge link. I think. Like I was talking to some friends of ours on the weekend and they um, ordered some chips and, and had tomato sauce with the chips and they laughed and they said, oh, don't show Karen that we've got tomato sauce. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of them um, stopped to grab a bottle of Coke and they said, am I allowed to put this in your fridge? And I said, actually, no. <laughs> and it was a huge big joke, but... The thought of actually having that in my fridge now, obviously, is so foreign to me because it's just, it just, it would never occur. But, you know, I think that when we look at how we are as a nation, and, and I love that Cindy does this research because she's such a bastion of change and a bloody disruptor. I just think everybody needs to learn how to disrupt in their own communities and create their own ripple effects like Cindy does. Um, you know, I think that that's such a huge thing that people should get courage in if, they've, if, if that's their calling. But I think that, you know, when we look at who we are, how we are as a nation, how we are as a world, both mentally physically and of course emotionally and spiritually and now and then you compare it to what the wellness guys have discovered with their beautiful trips to um, Ithaca where they have um oh not Ithaca for goodness Ithaca, Korea. Korea and and what longevity requires of us I think in the World Health Organization sees that our circumstances are going to increase twice as bad by the year 2020 certainly in terms of mental health you can't not look at all of this and take a holistic approach 
And I seriously think that most people listening to today's podcast would be feeling like, yeah, you know, they're either on the path or they're beginning the path, but they're at least away. But I think how do we, how do we get this conversation from the podcast and from our listeners out into the ears of the people who are, who are blissfully ignorant? Mm-hmm. How do we create that disruption? How do we create that ripple effect, you know, where we can arrest some of those really s- tragic and sad statistics? Because you, we can't, and I just look at it from a mental health point of view, you know, all of the work that we're uncovering with Spirit Hive and the statistics around suicide and mental health and anxiety and depression in our kids oh, and in our adults and in our men, I mean, you can't not look at that holistically and say that these, these um, God, I feel so very passionate about this. I'm probably rambling. Am I? Am I rambling? No, no I'm enjoying it. I just, I, I feel like we can't not say that it's not a, we can't have a holistic approach. And that's not all contributory to the state of the globe, the state of the nation, the state of the community and the state of the homes. Mm. You, can't, you, you, you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to um, or I'm watching the movie Heal at the moment. Yeah. So Heal has just um, come on Netflix. It's in Australia or, um, and the US. Um, and it, there's a researcher on and she researches people who have miraculously healed someone like Anita Morjani who was on her deathbed and five weeks later had not a cancer inside and walked out of the hospital. So she's in a coma. So she has um, researched these people and she basically said there are 75 things all of them have done to turn their life around. But she said there were nine, there were actually nine that were absolutely the ones that every single one of them did and it was radically changing your diet taking control of your health following your intuition using uh, uh, using herbs and supplements releasing suppressed emotions increasing positive emotions so laughing lots (laughs) Um, embracing social support deepening your spiritual connection and have a strong reason for living. And I'll make sure I put these on the show notes so that everybody can read them because she said these were the ones that went from their deathbed and had miraculous healings. Wow. Mm. That's fantastic. Mm. Oh, see, honestly, it's just, it's, it's, the whole condiments issue, the whole food issue is just indicative of the whole issue, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I mean, we're disconnected from ourselves. We're just dis- we're disconnected from what's real in terms of food, in terms of our perceptions, in terms of who each other are. We can. We're, you know what? If you could slap a label on it, I reckon it would be we are disconnected from what is real. Mm. I think you're we're right. All, yeah. We're all, we don't know what's living, real. We don't. We're living in our own individual realities but we are disconnected from what is truly real in every area of our lives. I reckon that's it, Mm. isn't it? Mm. I think when it comes down to food, I think we've got a little bit of um, that thing that's very big that I've noticed out there is that, oh, they wouldn't put it in there if if it hurt you. And because everybody else is doing it, 
it looks, it seems okay. And because a lot of kids seem okay, um, why would your kids not be okay? So I think what you just said before about education, I think what you're saying, Karen, about connection um, and getting right back into being responsible and able. And also um, my, my biggest wish, and, and it's been from all three of us ever since we started the podcast, is that you know, we get back in the kitchen and, and actually mm. enjoy making things from scratch. And um, I, I just want to ask you one last thing, if it's right, Cindy. How were you received on that Channel 10 show? Were they, were they pleased with what you did in five minutes and how you made your mayo, barbecue sauce and chilli sauce? Like, were they astounded or was it just like, oh, another ho-hum segment? Oh, another whole hum segment, I think. No way. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I didn't, like the last time I was on um, Studio 10, um, it was a serious talk about the microbiome and depression and anxiety and, you know, we should be looking at lifestyle and things like that. And after we finished, it was the conversation kept going. So after the cameras stopped, the conversation kept going. Whereas with the source one, um, you know, maybe people don't think that getting rid of these, you know, these condiments that are, are bought in a shop and making your own is as important as the issue of depression and, and anxiety, you know. I, whereas I see them as hand in hand, you know, this is where you've got to start. You've got to, as our beautiful Natasha Campbell McBride says, got to get back into the kitchen to feed and nourish your family to heal this nation. And condiments are a really, a, a, a thing to start with. If, we, if you love your condiments, then you can make all of them from scratch very, very quickly and very, very simply. And I know it's not convenient, but if it's not convenient, then go to your farmer's market and find somebody else who's doing it for you. Yeah. But so, yeah, I don't, I didn't get that it was well received by the hosts. Um, yeah. Um, who knows? But I went on there. I did what I wanted to do. I got the message out. There were people who saw it, said it was great. Um, but they all know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? So what's your final tip to everybody today then out of what you've learned with your two articles and what you've done? Tell us what's, what's your biggest advice. Oh, I just keep educating yourself. And if, if you don't have time, I'll do it for you and just listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I think would be really cool? And this is very selfish of me. Yeah. I think it would be really cool for the three of us to get into a kitchen and for you to <gasps> make a couple of sauces and make a couple of really simple, easy Thermomix meals um, that are super duper easy that we could film. What do you think about that, Cindy? Oh, that would be oh fun. I that love be that fun. idea. Yeah. I love it. And can yeah. we make them vegan? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know what? Mayo, mayonnaise, instead of using the egg, we could have used... Cashews. Um, well, no, you can actually use the chickpea, making sure it's organic. You know that, I forget what it's called, but it's this, the stuff that the chickpea sits in. So you drain off the chickpeas and you're left with this liquid um, and it's got a name, but I can't remember the name of it and there'll be somebody out there that will know it and be yelling at us right now um, what it is. But it's um, it basically you put that in instead of the egg and it's emulsifier because that's what the egg is for is to emulsify. Um, and you put that in there and it, it makes the oil go white and it's like a mayonnaise, an eggless mayonnaise. So we can do that. And every all your other sources are, are definitely vegan. Pardon? 
Aquafaba. It's, Aquafaba, well done. I could <laughs> come to me. Aquafaba, yes. There you go. That's instead of your eggs, Kaz. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 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 oh, I think you're brilliant. Oh, I think you're brilliant too, Cindy. Thank you for being a trailblazer for us. Seriously. I love it. I really love it. I love looking up all this stuff and I still get shocked. I, th- I don't think anything's going to shock me. I still get shocked. And yeah, I, and I, I think it's time that for people who are listening to us, if you are enjoying what we are doing, please spread the word and let people in on what we're trying to teach and what we're, you know, just spread the word, put it on your Facebook or on your Instagram and let people know what, the, what these are like. You know, our last five or six interviews, all of our interviews are amazing, but our last five or six have been really hard hitting and um, they're things that people need to know. I was, I was talking to some people. We were, Karen, this morning. Yeah. We met some people and we were talking about quite a few of the interviews that we had done and they were all, they said they were all jaw-dropping of, as to what's happening and that was Belinda Fetke's one um, and, of course, um, our beautiful medical doctor who works up at the... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she, they loved what she was doing and, and, and the devastation of the Aboriginal culture. Oh, no, no. I yeah. think, and I'm really enjoying what we're doing too and to share it each week with you girls and to have this knowledge and this information and to meet such amazing, incredible people to have on the show. Um, maybe we could put it out to our beautiful guests. Who are some big names that you would like on the show? Who are some people you'd love us to interview this year and put it onto our Facebook page because I'm on a mission at the moment and you should see the people that we're getting lined up. So it's pretty exciting. Now, we've lost our beautiful Karen. So, Kimmy, do you want to finish up our um, podcast today? Of course. Yeah, she, she ran out of range. I've just got a text from her, so I'll let you finish up. Oh, well, you know, Cindy, again, as, as Karen alluded to, we're just very grateful for your passion behind things like a simple conversation like condiments uh, could become something that's so big. And like Karen said, it's just, it's the way we do one thing, we tend to do all things. So maybe starting off with our condiments in our cupboard and looking what really is in those ingredients. I mean, that's where it started for me. And just to finish my favorite condiments I have are things like the coconut aminos, tamari, apple cider vinegar, uh, olive oil, coconut oil, you know, they're just, mm. they're very simple. And then add lemon juice to that. And you, and you just have so many beautiful flavors. Oh, one last thing I wanted to ask you, brewer's yeast. What's your opinion on that? Well, as a 19, 20 year old, I used brewer's yeast for B vitamins because that was, you know, that was the go back in the seventies. But I haven't used brewer's yeast for a long time and I haven't looked into it. But you know what, Kimmy? I have it on my list of things to find out exactly how brewer's yeast is made. And I know it's a, a byproduct of, of brewing and I know that the yeast is dead, but I just don't know enough about it. So let me look into that for you. Oh, good, good. Mm, interesting. My mum used to take brewer's yeast a lot when she was little and we used to take it when we were younger too. Mm. So that's going to be very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Well, girls, we've reached the end of the time for our podcast. It's time for us to sign off. So it's been a fantastic podcast, Cindy. Again, thank you for being such a trailblazer with all of the research that you do. You're in. You're just a font of knowledge, and you just make. I don't know. You make it just make so much sense. <laughs> mm. 
Thank it's you, just magical. Mm. You're just a beautiful, beautiful soul. And I'm looking so forward to, you know, I think hearing about more of our listeners that are able to spread a little bit more of the word and become a bit of a ripple effect in their own communities. You know, I think that that's going to be a really, really cool thing. I guess it's an invitation for everybody that's listening to today's show. Why don't you go ahead and talk to your communities and just ask people that you know what they think. You don't have to be shoving our opinions or your opinions down anybody's throats or making any judgments. I mean, we can just ask people what they think and just start gauging some awareness. Why don't we start there? You know, just seeing what people think and how many people we surround ourselves with that actually are aware of some of these things. It'd be really interesting to see that sort of feedback on our face, on our Facebook page. So, Cindy, thank you for today, and thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you, Kimmy, you beautiful soul. You're always the most wonderful interviewer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wait till I get going on you and your personal lives. Wait till next week. <laughs> <laughs> love you both. Love, love you, sweet. Yeah, love you. All right, for all of our listeners, go to our Facebook page at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And that's where you can post all of your comments and let us know about your families and your communities. And you know, how aware are they of these sorts of things? Is it something that they care about or not so much? It'd be really nice to know how much of a difference we need to make and how much of a difference you guys can make too and how we can support you in that. So go ahead and post your comments and your questions there. Otherwise, you can head on over to all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. Make sure that you join us here next week on Up for a Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we love having you on the ride with us. Bye for now, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.